Alexa, who is Adam Ferrara? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Fuelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary In Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. Hi guys, thank you for coming back or checking us out for the first time. Either way, we are glad you are here. We have another great show for you this week. My guest in the ADD interview, you know him from his Netflix show, Magic for Humans. It's magician Justin Willman. And I have a special announcement. What's that? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> My new comedy album is called It's Scary in Here, and you can hear it exclusively on Pandora. What do you think of that, Phil? I think I'm proud of you. I think I love that. <laughs> and we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family, which is our conversation we have every week, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join us. And our super fan shout-out is for Kevin. Say hello. Hey, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Uh, Kevin, just so you know, uh, Marcus Stern, Triple P, is on assignment. Uh, he's actually working the U.S. Open in tiny white shorts. <laughs> okay. But he says hello to Kevin as well. And Kevin sent us a, a great email. I want to read it to you. Uh, he says, I have been listening to your podcast since I went to the Hard Rock in Atlantic City and saw you live. Oh, that's very nice, Kevin. Your sense of humor reminds me of my brothers and I growing up, waiting for the opportunity to fuck with each other. <laughs> I love the way you take time out of your life to find new ways to mess with Phil. It brings me <laughs> back to my childhood. That's great. That's, that's great. great. That's great. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad. I'm, that... I'm glad. I'm glad your bullshit can provide some entertainment for somebody. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you're laughing now, Phil, because you were yelling at me last night. Well, because you're you're a stalker. You're a tech stalker. Jesus, I'm not a tech. Leave me, leave me alone. I'm, Just I'm, leave me alone. All right, honey. Here's the deal. Mm -hmm. I'm talking to Phil, mm -hmm. right? And he was. He goes. I gotta get. I gotta. I gotta go out to Trader Joe's before they close. I'm leaving. I said, Well, it's a mobile phone, Phil. I'll walk with you. We'll talk. Now, I nah 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 nah. I don't bring my phone to Trader Joe's because then I gotta disinfect it. I leave it here. <laughs> I don't know. Phil, Phil has quarantine rules. So mm -hmm. it's true. It's more shit to disinfect when I come home. Okay. So I told Phil, I said, listen, Phil, it's not the cell phone is not there for your convenience. It's for that. God forbid somebody needs you when you're out. That's what it's for. It's a tool. It's a tool. Mm -hmm. And and I, you know, what if your mother needs you while you're going to the going to the store? And I heard him go like this. <sighs> <laughs> and he went like this. Because you get in my head. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you do? I brought the fucking phone. <laughs> Asshole. He did. You did. I did. Because he gets in my head. <laughs> now, now I'm thinking about my mom. Oh, my mom. What if she needs me? That's so he, hilarious. You know? So he brought. Yeah, but here, but here's what I didn't tell you though. What? You know when I, you know what it hit me when what? I already left the apartment and I went to my elevator and then it dawned on me and I went ah shit and I turned around and went back in and got it. <laughs> he had to disinfect again. Well, I didn't know he had the phone with him, so I just sent him. I sent him a couple of texts just to a couple. <laughs> Every two seconds, doo -doo 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 -doo. you know, there's a guy. Well, you're really popular. Nope, it's just one idiot. It's just one idiot <laughs> texting me over idiot. and over again. Yeah, and I don't want to look at it because I don't want to touch my phone. And then I got home, and then I shit. Now I have to read all these texts. Oh, God, <laughs> so, the, the phone. No, let me let me just because I'm looking at him right now. Let, let me just let me just revisit the bullshit. Okay. 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 <laughs> the phone is for the peace of mind of the people who love and depend on you. That was one text. <laughs> Okay. Make, make it more annoying. That's good. Make it more annoying. It's a comfort to know they can get you in a time of need. <laughs> you don't have your phone with you, and God forbid that is the time somebody needs you. <laughs> you will never forgive yourself. Oh my God. This is an unnecessary risk. <laughs> Jesus. I know I don't feel as safe as I did before I knew this. I can only imagine the pain this would cause your family. If they knew, <laughs> please let your mother know I'll be here in these dark times of uncertainty. Oh my God. <laughs> if you insist on this course of self-centered behavior, we should set up a call forwarding solution. Oh my, oh my God. At least then your older family members will have peace of mind. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I will be here to fill in the gaps when you make these dark choices. A dark choice to not bring my phone nine feet away from my apartment. A dark choice. I love you, and I am here for you if you would like to get help. I need you. Yeah, hi, my, my name is Phil, and I'm, I'm a phoneaholic. Idiot. So then, oh. so then he, I could hear his brain. He oh wouldn't give God. me the satisfaction that he read it. So he texts me. What did you text me back? Who is this? Yeah, he texts back. Who is this? So I just yeah. I sent you a text to answer that question. It's me, Phil. Adam, I'm here for you. <laughs> Please check in on your mom. Because you, you, were, you were gone 11 minutes after all. Just let her know you're back and buy the phone. It's the little things that bring comfort. I know she'll appreciate it. I know I feel better knowing that you're back. Oh, my God. Oh, I, I'm powerless over my best friend, and my life has become unmanageable. That's, you know what I mean? Oh. It, is it um, harder to disassociate or participate? Oh, there you go. I don't. That's a good. That's a good question because I, I really, I try not to do either, but I end up doing both. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? But you should have heard him this. Yeah, no, because I'm like, I know it's all bullshit, and then then part of me goes, I have to read him. <laughs> I, I gotta read him. I gotta see what it is. <laughs> And that's what my phone's doing. Like, oh my god, shut up! <laughs> well, it's a, <sighs> it's a funner for all of us when you participate. <laughs> oh, and then he called me up. What did you? Oh, I picked up the phone. He finally. I I know it. The thought got way too much for him. And he finally got to me. He just called me up. I went hello. He goes you intrusive fuck. That's what <laughs> oh man. <sighs> <sighs> It, it, it's like a past life intruding on modern times, Phil. It, it, it's like I'm like I'm like that prisoner in Alcatraz. Remember that story? See that you mess around. You know what's funny about that? I actually had a dream about that. It's weird you say that. Mm -hmm. I dreamt it the other night. I know, and I, I hadn't dreamt it in years. I know. I was going to ask you about. it. I was going to send you a text. <laughs> Please don't send me any more texts. <laughs> okay. oh well, tell Alec. Did you you know the story about no. Phil's past life no. intruding on him in Alcatraz? Go no. ahead. Tell, yeah, yeah, no, I was Frank. I was Frank Morris. Frank Morris was one of the one of the inmates who escaped from Alcatraz in 1962. Um, they think he died in the water. You know, was eaten by sharks or something like that because he was never found. Mm -hmm. But uh, I visited Alcatraz when. And, and Alex, you're from there, so you know. Have you been there? Yeah, yeah. yeah she she, yeah. she did 15 to 20. Yeah, shut up, Adam. <laughs> He's doing that right now with you. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, so I was in San Francisco, I was 16 and I went to Alcatraz and I'm just telling you, man, I just, I had deja vu times 20, like everywhere I went in parts of San Francisco, like I knew what a street would look like before we turned down it. Mm -hmm. And then when we went to Alcatraz, I just had this eerie feeling that I had been there before. And when I got inside, I was like, holy shit, this is bizarre. And then the tour guide was taking us uh, down this hall. And this corridor, and I said, um, I go, the cafeteria is on the left, isn't it? He goes, yeah, have you been here before? And I go, no, but that's where the cafe, like I knew where the cafeteria was. I knew where, and we went in there, and I was like, this is really bizarre. So I firmly believe that I was in Alcatraz, and I think I was Frank Morris, because when we went to his cell, and he goes, this is the guy who escaped, I like another deja vu, like flooded me, and I just felt like, oh, my God, I was in the cell before. So you you think you you think your soul was this prisoner? At I think I think it's very possible that I was Frank Morris and then I was in that cell. Yeah. Let me ask you this: You ever find yourself subconsciously just standing in the kitchen by yourself, no one else is around, and you're sharpening a spoon? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's hysterical. So Phil, as Frank, do you remember yeah. how you escaped? Mm. I you know I know he escaped. Apparently, they found like uh, a, a man-made raft. In the water. Do you remember asking Morgan Freeman for a rock hammer? <laughs> Bill Tag crawled through a river of shit. <laughs> well, let me let me ask you this: Was it the same? Was this the same point in your life when you ran away and joined the circus? What? <laughs> I didn't join the circus. This is what away. this is what you told me. By all means, Adam, just exaggerate my history. What, what's what's exactly the story, Flipper okay, Boy? Okay, excuse me. I was an assistant. Boy. I was a I was an assistant to a magical ringmaster named Ken Scott. What does that mean? Mm. He would. This sounds creepy. <laughs> what do you mean, creepy? Mm -hmm. He would travel to cities before the circus came to town. 
and he would promote that the circus was coming to town. He would do magic shows, and I was the assistant. And when I, whenever I got like off school, I'd fly and meet him, and you know, and his people, and it was it was a oh, cool experience. I'm sure this 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 is this was safe. <laughs> it was fine. It was great. It was showbiz, um, baby. Showbiz. Did you mm-hmm. have to wear like a little magic tux? Yeah. No. Did you no. have a I wasn't a monkey. Did you? <laughs> I would just, pre- I would like prep the show. I wouldn't go on stage. Oh, so uh, you were I would prep the show. You were a magician's assistant with someone on stage. You were, you no, were. I, was, I was like his assistant where I did things. I prepped the show and all that kind of stuff. So it's free labor. Yeah. You were like, you were like his, his laborer. Mm-hmm. And, and I got paid. I got paid. I went to some cool places. I saw Alcatraz. If, if not for Ken Scott, I would have no idea that I was Frank Morris and and, and served time in Alcatraz. That's good. If, if if not if not for this magician who who kidnapped a minor and took him across the country, I wouldn't know <laughs> that I was an ex-con. That's weird. <laughs> this is Phil's life. Yeah. So what? That is what put you into magic. What? What's the... yeah. Well, no, my mother actually, like, my mother bought me a magic kit when I was, like, eight years old. Remember Marshall Brodeen? Remember the magic kit, Adam? No. <laughs> you never had a magic kit? No, I never had a magic kit, no. Really? Because a lot had of a men ma- are, like, Johnny Carson was a magician yeah, when no, he was magic eight. was never for me. I, I, I went guitar. I went music, not magic. Oh, uh, yeah. Music I, spoke to me. I went science. Mm-hmm. You went science? Yeah. What, yeah. did you have, like, a chemistry set? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I went goofy magic doing all the shows for family and stuff like that. And my mother just always encouraged me. So uh, when I was 16, she enrolled me in this uh, community college summer uh, class. Mm-hmm. And this guy, Ken Scott, was the teacher of the class. And mm-hmm. I was the only serious one. Mm-hmm. And he recognized that. And he offered me, you know, a chance to go on the road with him. And, you know, if, you, if I wanted to do these shows. And it was just a cool experience. So you went home. You went, Mom, Ken wants me to get a go. Go. <laughs> go, Phil. <laughs> yeah, it was a cool experience, man. It was very cool. Right, cool. So yeah. yeah, and were were you any good? I know you still got the magic trunk because I had to move it from apartment to apartment. You have a I magic still trunk? have. I have a. Yeah. I have a um, an illusion. It's called Dove to Rabbit. I still have that. That was actually made by Ringling Brothers. It was a custom made box given to Ken, and he gave it to me. I still have that. Wait, you make a dove into a rabbit? Yeah, it's called interspecies yeah. magic. I don't like that. Yeah, it's it's part of the Frankenstein collection. What is that? <laughs> What? It's what? a trick. It's a magic trick. A real, it's a cool a real box. dove it's a cool box. into a real rabbit. Yeah, a real dove. At first, you take the dove, you put it. Usually, you produce the dove in another trick, and then mm-hmm. and the, you know the audience goes, "Ooh, ah," you know. And then you put the dove into the dove to rabbit. They don't know what's going to happen. It's a little cage, right? And then you turn it around, you lift up the lid, the flaps fall, and there's a rabbit instead of the dove. It's the big close. The big close. Ta-da! Okay, and what happens to the dove? I can't tell you that. Secret. Yeah, it's a secret, dude. You killed a dove, didn't you? Not there, I didn't. No, not in that trick. Why did you kill a dove? That's Okay, not- first of all, I'm not Dexter. I didn't do it on purpose, okay? I, it was an accident. I was doing a show. Right. And uh, there's a trick called the crystal cylinder, okay? It's this tube. And I have to reveal a little secret here, okay? You load the bird into the tube before the show, obviously, and then when you do the show, you produce the bird in the crystal cylinder, okay? Um, But I mistakenly, because I I wasn't really sure how the trick worked, I loaded the bird upside down in the trick. So the whole show, he was actually on his head the whole time. And so, sadly, he broke his neck, basically. (gasps) I don't think I can talk to Phil. Okay. I didn't do it on purpose. I was 17 years old. And so when I produced it, I was doing a show. It was my big closer, the big crystal cylinder. I was excited. I and I rushed it. I rushed it because I didn't know how to do it. And then I produced the bird, and there it was, dead. I was devastated. Like, I produ- it's supposed to flap the big, you know, the big, ta-da, you know, mm. bird flapping around. No flapping. Not dead. 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 Ugh. Yep. Why? Adam, mess with them all you want. <laughs> dead. Yeah. And that's why they sent you to Alcatraz. <laughs> yeah, and no parole. <laughs> yeah, I'm the real bird man. Yeah. Well, I will tell you this. It's a sad story about yeah. the bird, but Phil's not the only one that that unfortunate incident happened to. Really? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. You guys give a listen to this, and we'll see you on the other side. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that. 
and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You've seen magicians make doves magically appear. That's easy. Now you're going to see them disappear. These are real doves. A little hocus pocus. And suddenly... You're listening to the Adam Ferrara Podcast. This is 30 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Yeah, I don't like to argue with my wife. We were going to the airport once. We didn't want to argue in front of the driver, so we got into a text fight. <laughs> She's sitting right next to me. Bink! <laughs> Honey, that is not what I... Bink! <laughs> if you just let me... Bink, 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 bink. We get to the airport. The guy gives me the bags. I give him a tip. He shakes my hand. He's like, you didn't stand a chance, did you? <laughs> That joke is from my new comedy album called It's Scary in Here. Recorded live in New York City. You can hear the whole album exclusively on Pandora. There's a link in the show notes if you want to pre-order the album, or you can go to my website or any of my social media for that link as well. And the album goes worldwide September 18th. And I just want to take a minute to thank you guys for all the love and support you've shown me and this podcast. All right? As you were. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! My guest this week has a hit show on Netflix called Magic for Humans. The LA Times has dubbed him the new breed of magicians. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, please help me welcome Justin Wilman. Hello, how are you? And how are you? I'm doing well. Yeah. I'm doing well. Yeah. Thanks for uh, having me on. I get a little, the only time I, I, I can, I have the right to pass the baby off to my wife and uh, have my hands free of uh, any sort of responsibilities is doing a uh, good old podcast. So listen, if this goes six hours, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Well, you're welcome. And congratulations. How, how old is your son? He's 16 months old. His okay. name's Jackson. Cool. He's a hoot. Yeah. He's right in that pocket every day. It's a whole new thing. Yeah. So it's a it's a silver lining that I get to kind of just spend immense time with him. He won't remember it. He won't. He, uh, he'll probably just think back, like, "Oh yeah, my parents were around a lot. My dad was unemployed for a while." But, uh... <laughs> Do you find Justin at sixteen months? Does does he respond to magic? Does he respond to? Uh, he responds to it, not in a uh, amazed way. He's like a ball buster. He. Uh, grabs the thing he's not supposed to grab. He reveals the trick, uh, gets distracted easily. Uh, so it makes for a good comedy goal, but not good for me trying to make him think I'm cool. You right. know, like I feel like he's not, he has to be maybe three till the object permanence, you know. So he knows if I, if I take a ball in my hand, it's supposed to still be there. So when it's not there, dad's cool. Right. But uh, not so much. I, I take it in my hand, I go like this. He just assumes it must be in the other hand and he's right, damn it. That's the problem. <laughs> I like your son. He's heckling already. He's a heckler. Yeah. We've been doing a bunch of little like magic lesson videos that we've been putting online and he's getting way more kudos than me at his comedic timing. Well, so. well, well your show is a big success. You're, you're in your third year on Netflix. It's called Magic yeah. for Humans. Yes. We watched a bunch of them last night. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, oh, thank you. Love the title. Tell me your interpretation of the title because I, I have my own interpretation and I want to see if it matched. Well, let's see. A few layers. I mean, I, well, I guess the most broad layers, I don't want to narrow down my demographic at all. Mm -hmm. I don't want people to click through Netflix and think that the show isn't for them. So for humans is all inclusive, but the show is about what it means to be human. Every episode, we kind of explore a different theme that is 
that is, uh, you know, very specific to what we all go through, self-control, guilt, love, fear, uh, you know, getting older, all this stuff that are kind of very uniquely human concepts. We explore those. And then some people have uh, inferred that the show is called Magic for Humans to imply that I myself am not human, <laughs> that I am some sort of alien with powers and that I'm, I've come to earth to wow the people. And I just take that as a compliment. Yeah. Yeah, you had a great- What's your theory? My theory, Magic for Humans, was I love the emotions you played, and I love the fact that you went into other situations, like you go to locations. You went to like a Renaissance fair, and you did you did, uh, you did, did um, some magic. Uh, you brought in to see if you could fake human emotion, uh, human emotion with the green screen. I thought it was great. You brought that in, and you told people that you, you're going to be an audience, and I need you to react to this. So when we cut it together, it'll look like I'm really doing magic. And then you recorded them, and then you really did magic, and they really flipped out. And when you looked at the yeah. two, you looked at the two uh, reactions. The genuine reaction was genuine. You couldn't fake astonishment, and I thought that was great. Well, you know, I feel like these days there's so many shows, especially comedy. You know, like plays to the things that make us different. The things that you know, those people think this thing, we think this thing. You know, let's divide them. And I feel like magic is one of these things that everyone it kind of impacts everybody. Everyone feels amazement at the same kind of stuff. Everyone feels wonder. And usually everyone kind of finds joy in these universal things. So I kind of wanted to make a show that reminds us that we really are more the same than we are different. Hence, magic for humans. Yeah. yeah. I also love the fact that the entertainment value of it is a real human emotion. And sometimes the audience is in on the gag. And I'll tell you exactly what the two things that really struck me. One was the Invisible Man gag you did. Yeah, you got a bunch of people together, uh, and and you put them in a park, and then you put a sheet over a guy or a blanket over a guy, and you told him he was invisible, and you you told the rest of the, the spectators to act like he was invisible, and he bought it. He bought it. You know that bit. I, I love. I feel like these days, uh, people have seen enough magic. People know that you know I'm not some. I don't have powers. You know that I'm just some dude. So they kind of like to be brought in on the. A you know, just let us behind the curtain a little bit. You don't have to tell us everything. We right. still want to be amazed, but we kind of, we want to be in on what's going on. And, you know, that particular bit that uh, kind of ended up being, you know, the most popular part of the show was something I've been doing. I would do it in comedy clubs for a while and it would be the closer of my show. And it started out as like this little kind of like a 10, 15 minute, uh, you know, instant flash mob where I send these two dudes out to the lobby, a server would take them out there while I kind of cue the whole audience into what we're doing and ended up gradually being like a 20 minute bit, a 30 minute bit, because the audience just loved messing with this dude. Mm -hmm. You know, they love, like I would hear them in the lobby, I'm out doing a meet and greet and they would be like, dude, how did you disappear? Like you were invisible, <laughs> like messing with this guy. And the guy would like, so it kind of played to the fact that everyone everyone wants to be a magician. It let the audience be a magician for a second. And you also get to see who the truly evil people are who are uh, <laughs> really torturing them for, for a long time. But the, the, the genuine human emotion is what I, I, I just love. I mean, I, my, my best friend in the world is on the show. I mean, his name is Phil, and I mess with him all the time. I mean, uh -huh. and it just, to see, just to see him flip out. And it's just uh -huh. it's so much fun to do. But making... Making the audience part of, of the gag is genius. And also, you don't give everything away. You also, and I, I'm citing your, your Good Morning America appearance with Michael Strahan. Uh, I want to yeah, yeah. explain the reason I love this bit, because it, it, it shows the balance of bringing the audience in on the gag and still being a magic dude yourself. The gag was, you both, uh, you filled up Coca-Cola in a red Solo cup, and then you had to put the Coca-Cola on your head, and then you have to, Mike, you asked Michael to trust you. And you're going to make the Coca-Cola disappear. Now, you stood up, you spun around, you closed your eyes, you sat down, you had a little incantation, and you asked Michael to do the same thing. He did the same thing, and as he spun around with his eyes closed, you drank the soda. Right. So the audience is in on the gag. So then, the end of the trick, you turn the soda over, and your glass is empty because you drank it. The audience is laughing, and the anticipation of Michael turning the soda over was was great. Everyone was was waiting for him to do it, and you told him to trust you, and he turned it over, and it disappeared. It disappeared. That's man. There's something about that little formula where it's like, here's what I'm gonna do. Here's how I do it, uh -huh. and and then it ends up not being how I do it. You'd think I can only get away with it like once or twice. Like in my live show, I I repeat that shit ten times throughout yeah. the night, and it seemed people eat it up. They just kind of 
like forgetting that they know where this is heading because they just want to they want to have it wash over them. Well, yeah, they, we, they were people all, are funny, man. They were all waiting for the soda to hit his head, and that's where, and that's where I was like, you, you got me on so many different levels, and that's what made it enjoyable, and that that's the one of the reasons I like the show. Uh, Thank that you. that and it does bring every everybody together. And I just want to before I forget, in comedy clubs, a friend of mine opened for you in Pittsburgh. His name is Colin Chamberlain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the uh, the Improv, the there, Pittsburgh believe, Improv. Right? Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, and he told you he see he he told me to tell you thank you so much. It was the first time that you gave him credibility in the eyes of his parents because, yeah, <laughs> they came out to the show. They came not only came out to the show, but they used to watch you on Cupcake Wars. I don't know if people wow. know that about you. Were the host yeah. of Cupcake Wars? I was the host of Cupcake Wars. That was a good little day job for a while. That's funny. Well, hey, whatever it took, if it took Cupcake Wars to get his parents to finally come out to the club, listen, you got to do what it takes. Yeah, okay. I got to ask, how, did it did it ever get like? Was there ever like? Rough times at Cupcake Wars. Someone hides someone's nuts. Or where's my frosting? Oh God! Yeah. Well, you bitch. Tours, I'm making butterscotch. Of battle in the Cupcake Wars. There's some sabotage. There's there's tears. There's there's blood. People cut themselves a lot in the kitchen there. They don't show it all on TV because it's nasty. But um, I, I gotta say, like that was a, it was a kind of a good time of my life. It was long, ridiculous days. I think we shot that show like first season. We thought no way people are gonna watch this because it's like. You know, all these other cooking shows, you get, there's a souffle, there's a pasta, there's a cake, there's mm. a this, you know, variety. It's like, really, people just want to watch one one specific dish, a cupcake, get mm. served over and over again. Turns out, yeah, they really do. They want their cupcakes. So, I've never baked a cupcake. I don't know how I booked that job. I, I, I think uh, you put special skills on your resume, and, you know, we all lie. Right. And uh, I guess they work. Sometimes people are like, "Oh, you can he can bake. Let's let's hire him." Well, you started. You start. When did magic first? When did you first say, "I want to do that"? I was twelve. Mm-hmm. I was riding my bike uh, while wearing rollerblades at the same time. Long story, unrelated. You except really I broke wanted both of my arms. You re- I really wanted something. You really wanted to get I, there in a hurry. I was in a rush. I needed uh, I needed a backup mode of transportation with me in my mode of transportation. <laughs> I broke both of my arms. My doctor recommended uh, card tricks. He prescribed me magic to get my dexterity back. Uh-huh. So when I got, and I started learning tricks while I had the cast on, got the cast off, was obsessed. Um, I was the only kid in my school who did magic. So that's kind of like, you know, it's, we, we all kind of want to be special, you know, even like the, the jocks of which I wasn't, you know, they're still on a team, you know, there, there's lots of great basketball players, but when you're like the only magician, you kind of get this feeling of like, oh, damn, like I like. I like this. I feel like I've got something nobody else has. And, and when you could amaze your parents and your teachers and you do something that your teacher doesn't understand, it's kind of a power shift in your mind. So I became obsessed. I started gigging, doing kids' birthday parties in junior high, started doing magic competitions around the country. And I think ever, ever from like when I was 14, I kind of knew that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until then when I went to college. I went to Emerson College in Boston. My best friends were uh, Dan Levy, Daniel Kino. Um, Elijah Schlesinger, I kind of had all these comedians around me and I realized like, oh man, like doing magic is, is, is great, but you know, magic is, is ridden with hack kind of material. Like I had a lot of like hacky jokes in my act and I could get away with it because I'm a magician and people are like, yeah, okay, mm. that was a cheesy, cheesy dick joke, but, but it was a great trick and you get away with all this stuff. And I realized then, you know, at the urging, like getting called out by my comic buddies, like, you know, you got to You got to not do that joke just because it gets a laugh doesn't mean it's a good laugh. And I that was like a big re- realization for me. Like, oh, yeah, there are bad laughs. You mm-hmm. know, like there are jokes that kill that don't don't do you any good, you know, in the end. So I kind of took that influence. And then I kind of I, I kind of think that I started magic at 12, but I started comedy maybe at 19. And and, and then they kind of merged. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I will tell you, in, in watching your stuff, there wasn't, the first thing any comic does is a magician on your show. You're like, ah, oh, okay. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, I, I will say that uh, I did I did notice the lack of hackness, for lack of a better word. Well, oh, thank, that's very nice. Thank you. I mean, I feel like I, I it took a long time to get those bad uh, impulses out of my system. Just those those instincts to go for the you know, like there are the, you know, you know, these jokes that are even like uh, high, high grade stock jokes where it's like the audience hasn't heard this joke before, but it, they, it sounds, it gets a laugh, but it also like anybody who, who knows their shit, who's watching the show 
is going to kind of roll their eyes. And and just to to kind of weed those things out of my material. And I think going in as a magician, just like you said, like into the comedy world, you're already a little bit fighting an uphill battle, and you kind of have to go the extra mile to just let them know you're not you're not that kind of yeah. That kind and of and it's green room respect too, baby. You need the green room yeah. respect. You need that green room respect. Exactly. Which which I will say all the com- all I work at the Comedy Magic Club in Hermosa. It's right by it's right by the house. Oh and yeah, I'm there, and everyone every magician in there has green room respect. That's a I mean that's the best club for me. When I moved out to L.A., when I saw that, when I heard about this place, and I was like, wow, it has magic in the title. Like what a like it is truly equal footing comedy and magic. And and I think uh, that place, the green room hang there, I think is. It's probably the most like true, real, raw green room. Most other comedy clubs don't even have a green room, you know. Like yeah. you, unless you're unless you're headlining a club like you know outside of L.A. But in L.A., like that's that's that green room hang is something to aspire to, kind of really be able to fit in and feel that love. And and I think most magicians, for me, go in there and I was you know you're kind of a little insecure, you know. You, I, I got I got my box. I got to set yeah. up some shit. You kind of feel like you're already looking like an idiot. And, but there's nothing but love, like getting, getting notes on your act when you walk off stage from, uh, you know, from, from a comic who you really admire. Like I remember like, you know, uh, int- introducing Paul Reiser here and there. And one time I got to do a show with Gary Shandling and having him like pitch me a joke when I walked off stage, it was kind of like my, my mind is blown. You know, you feel like you really, you made it in show business. Yeah. Well, at that point. you did that cause you made your bones. I mean, you made your bones with the comics and that's, I wanted yeah. to ask you, I know how we write stuff and I know, how do you come up with tricks? Do you envision them yourself? Do you sketch them out? Do you, can you do them by yourself? Is it a team effort? I, I don't, how does, how does it work? I mean, it's, it's always with... a little bit for the TV show. Like I've got a great team cause we have to create like a quantity of things in a limited amount of time for the live show. You know, it's kind of very much, it's on your own pace. You kind of have your, your notebook and your post-its, uh, bits that you're kind of like, that are in the hopper, but no one's like kind of, you know, there's no deadline necessarily for your live material unless you just put out a special and you mm-hmm. got, you know, you got to hit the road again. So for, for, for TV, you know, I've got a great team, but for live, I tend to come up with either I have a, a, a great trick, like there's a, maybe there's a classic of magic or something that no one's done in a while or something that's never been done that I want to figure out what to make that bit about. What can I, how can I use that to to be about a bigger context, some sort of plot, some story? Or it's like, all right, I got a I got a great idea that would be super funny. What's the trick that would serve this well? You know, and they kind of end up fleshing themselves out. But you have to kind of get the tr- get the magic, get the technique, the 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 engineering of it down. Then get that shit on stage mm-hmm. and get it in front of a crowd, and then the writing starts. And uh, but you kind of have to you kind of have to have the trick part down because unlike comedy if if a joke doesn't work it kind of falls flat everyone feels it but you're kind of off to the next you know yeah. you kind of you can acknowledge it but if a trick doesn't work or 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 they see how you know they see what you did it's harder to recover from that it kind of sucks the air out of the room because i feel like with magic people just want to be able to relax feel like this person they're watching is in control because no one wants to unknowingly be shown how a trick works kind of people most people want to be swept up in it you mm-hmm. know and uh you know i've seen some magicians who are just starting out at the magic castle or whatever you know they got the shaky hands and i just kind of like tense up because i'm like oh buddy come on you can do it you can do it because nothing makes you more uncomfortable than that they call it flashing you know when a trick flashes or you know it's kind of like your junk falls out you can't really yeah. uh, you can't really recover i can't unsee easily. that I cannot unsee that. Well, I will never not know what that looks like. It's the same thing in my line of work. It's not my first beat isn't to get you to laugh. It's to get you to trust me. Exactly. Exactly. That's why we all have like, you know, those that that just that opening line that we know kind of, all right, this is my Swiss Army knife. I know this will let everyone, ha, ah, this guy's funny. Okay, this is going to yeah. be good. You know, that opening line. Those Those are precious little nuggets. Yeah, especially when you start out. I mean, now I, I have the luxury of now is, is I don't have to worry too much about that. But when you're first starting out, they're almost like security blankets, and um, and and you'll and and, and it, it just gets you off to a good start. And when you go to see magic, you know, I, I'm when I buy the ticket, I'm walking in, I'm giving you the willful suspension of disbelief because I want to be entertained. But yeah. even like the magic I've seen in Vegas, I got a lot of they're fucking with lions. I don't care if there's two of them. <laughs> 
They're still uh-huh. lions you're fucking with. So right away, yeah, yeah I'm paying Listen, attention. He could die. This yeah. guy could die at any moment. Yes, just fact, ask. I could die in the audience yes. at any moment. Ask Roy, you know? Just ask Roy. Yeah, exactly. So there's there's that kind of respect that, you know, you know that, that, that I have for those on the, that grand scale of things. But even the smaller stuff, I think, requires, I'm going to use the word technique because it's close up. And mm-hmm. and like you said, you have to get the trick down. Then the writing comes on stage. Just the evolution process to do a TV show every week. That that time schedule's got to be killing you. You don't have time to hone it's it on the insane. road. It's rough. I mean, I still certain bits. I try to go up around town just to put it on its feet to find the beats. Because with magic, it's like I can't because I know what I'm doing and I know how it's all going to work. I can never. I can try to put myself into a non-magician like a layperson, a spectator mm-hmm. mindset but you re- it's really really hard you know just like a, a joke you don't know if it really w- you, you you write something you're like oh this is funny this is gonna kill and most of the time you're right but sometimes you put it up on its feet and you're like oh what that got nothing what's wrong and maybe there's two extra words here that made them confused about the premise and it's like i wouldn't have known that if i didn't put it up on its feet so i try to get stuff up uh, around town but sometimes there's just not time it's a lot of and also with tv magic you know you kind of you got to have the trick look great, but you also have to have that person, whoever you're doing it for, like emote. They yeah. they have to be amazed too. And you can't, you know, you can't pick one, you know, if the trick is amazing, but then the, you know, and you're not cutting and then the person kind of gives you nothing. The audience at home kind of feels robbed. Yeah. Like the math doesn't add up vice versa too. someone can't freak out at a lame trick. So you have a trick go bad. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm trying to think of some examples. I mean, I used to do, uh, when I was like 16, I used to do this act with dubs where I would, uh, you know, inspired by Lance Burton, you know, making all these mm-hmm. dubs appear. But to try to be unique, uh, I had just seen Starlight Express, the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical where everyone's on roller skates. That explains so the rollerblades. Like, uh-huh, I was like, I'm going to do my dove act with rollerblades on. And, uh, and I'm, you know, and I, without spoiling too much, the dove act requires you to have uh, multiple birds hidden on your person mm-hmm. at one time. And on rollerblades, you fall. So uh, mm. I, uh, I once rehearsing in my basement, uh, took a fall. Mm. And uh, let's just say the whole, my, my whole, my team didn't, a member of my team didn't recover. And that I was a really sad moment for me. <sighs> uh, I, yeah, I remember running upstairs to my mom because it was just like, I didn't mean to, but I, I felt so terrible. I think that's the moment I realized, you know what, I should work alone. <laughs> Did you, uh, no one should no one should die except me <laughs> if something goes wrong did you ever ever have a trick go bad live in front of an audience i mean i've had tricks go like little things go bad a lot uh you know i do a trick in my live show where uh the ending is has to like be timed out specifically to the minute because like the exact time at that moment is part of the reveal and it involves me kind of doing some math in my head on the fly and one time i you know, I'm getting ready to go to the climax, but I realize I'm 20 minutes early. Mm. So like, and I had already set this bit up. This is the, this is uh, for my last bit. It's the end of the show. Again, thank you guys so much. I'll see you on the lobby. And then I'm like the audience for no, for no reason. I, I said, you know, let's get back to this. <laughs> uh, something else I want to show you guys. We'll get back to that. And I'm just like kind of pulling shit out of my ass and <laughs> trying to come up with how to stretch 20 minutes out. So I think people, Maybe knew something wasn't right, but uh, but they got a little bonus. Yeah. So well, that's I, the key is covering for it. You got to yeah. cover. Well, can you watch now? Can you watch another magician and go, oh, dude? What are you doing? A thumb tip, really? I mean, I can watch. It goes. It. I'm sure it's similar to comedy, where it's like you can watch someone doing a thing and you're like, well, I clearly see what you're going for, what you're trying to do. It's mm-hmm. kind of you transparent. You don't get swept away. You can also watch someone who is just masterful. They're not like talking about a premise that is so revolutionary, but it's just like, wow, you're really good at that. I, you know, you're saying something that I've heard said, but in a way I've never heard it said before. I respect that. But then also you can see someone while you are on another level, you're talking about things I've never thought about in a way that no one's ever seen. It's transcendent. So I love watching. I love watching magicians and uh, not knowing how how they do it. Like I love being fooled because it just doesn't happen as much. But I also love watching someone 
who I know what they're doing, but man, they do it so well. And it kind of, because I feel like that's where I fall into the spectrum. I'm not the world's greatest magician, but I feel like I'm good at choosing material, choosing uh, magic concepts and giving them a new twist to make them feel new. And to me, I just feel like that's like a, a fun creative pocket. So. Yeah, I I would I would concur with you only because I watched the show and I went, yeah, I want to watch the show because I like what what and how you're doing it. I was I was entertained, I was uh I was I was fooled and uh, and I liked you in the presentation of it. So that that I I really agree with what you're saying and you had a great definition I saw what that you said about magic that you said on Conan when someone came up to you and said I know it's fake whispering like they can like you fooled everybody else, but you didn't fool uh, me. Yeah, exactly. They, they, Oh, you busted me. I'm not a wizard. That's true. <laughs> cause my when I was a kid, my mentor would say, uh, listen, Justin, just cause it's fake. Doesn't mean it's not important. He'd say magic's like breast implants. You know, people know they're fake, but when it's done well, it gives them wonder, you know? <laughs> and, uh, uh, that, that, that advice doesn't hold up in our modern age, of course. And that man died alone, but, uh, <laughs> but there's something to it. He died in a bicycle rollerblading accident. <laughs> yes, exactly. So kids, I hope you learned something, but no, you're right. There, there is an art to it. There's an art to the entertainment value of it and the astonishment value of it. And I want to go back to that green screen, uh, experiment you did. Cause it really struck me about faking astonishment and faking wonder. And as an actor, you know, my job is to be real in imaginary circumstances, you know, so that, right. that that's my flash. If you can see me working, then I the, the trick is flashed. So it's got to be real to me. And I got to put myself in the in in that real emotion. And just by knowing to play astonishment, to play wonder and any kind of positive emotion, it's 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 difficult because the body has to be open. You have to be more vulnerable. If you look at anger or anything, everything's compressed. The molecules are together. Your jaw clenches. Your neck comes down. Everything's compressed. You're, you're gathering power, and you feel stronger, and, and you're impenetrable. But uh, any kind of positive energy, you have to let the space get through the actual molecules and cells and everything. And that's why you're vulnerable, because you're open. So it's the it's harder to— People don't realize, like—I mean, I think what makes great actors so great is that, like— if you ask a normal person, like, hey, act, act, act happy, they'd be like, oh, yeah. It's mm -hmm. like, that's not what anybody ever looks like when they're happy or when they're amazed, like, oh, my God. You know, like, there's when someone is truly experiencing emotion, they are not self-aware. They are just like, there's a subtlety to it. People with, you know, a lot of haters, you know, like, I feel like we live in a in this YouTube comment age we live in, you know, where everyone has a voice. People love to, you know, like, as opposed to saying, like, that's an amazing trick. I don't know how you did that. They have to say, oh, it's fake. Everyone's in on it. Everyone's an actor. Yeah. You know, which is such a, it, it's a, you know, like the fact that they would think that first off that we'd have the budget to hire a bunch of people to, you know, show up <laughs> and is, is crazy. But it's like, I wanted to try it out. Okay. Could people act amazed and have you seem to buy it? And so it was kind of like a little social experiment in a sense. What are you going to do? Yeah. But people you're going to hate. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's easier to deny hate, say that's fake. It's easier to do that than to be open and vulnerable and be entertained. And yeah, I think it's because people think that like if something fools them, that it that 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 it's like a weakness on their part, that they're dumb. You know, mm -hmm. like they look at magic as a puzzle. If you can't solve it, you're an idiot. And it's like, no, I think that's like the unintelligent standpoint. I think a, a very intelligent person knows that they're enjoying something that's a illusion created that for their for their entertainment pleasure that suspending your disbelief isn't uh a sat you know isn't kind of a you know a a weak thing it's a it's a powerful thing we know so much you know these days like uh, everyone is so you know inundated with how everything works we have every answer at the tips of our thumbs like it's kind of nice to have a break from knowing how everything is done. So that's kind of, I think the role magic plays. Yeah. And I agree that it is an art form and it's, and the respect I have for any performer that does, that functions at the level you're functioning at. Uh, it is, it, it's enjoyable to watch and, and the message and what your show is doing, it's bringing people together. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's a wonderful way for people to, to connect and, uh, all people just to, to laugh for a while. And you're, Giving back with the magic kit. Um, well, yeah, you know, like uh, we've been, my wife and I, you know, have always talked about how do we, 
you know, just different charitable endeavors. When all this is happening right now, like we're all kind of cooped up in our homes and you, you, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful that, you know, obviously a big part of my business, my, is my live touring business, which has vanished for a while. No but a lot of shit. You know, a lot of people's entire business has vanished maybe forever. All these people get laid off and all these healthcare workers. So I've always wanted to make a magic kit. I feel like when I was laid up with my broken arms as a kid, I, I couldn't go to school for about two and a half months. That's when I discovered magic. There was something about that self, like that I was sheltered at home. I was quarantined. Mm. And something about that time, I was able to laser focus into magic. I think I would be too ADD to actually give it the time that it needed if I hadn't been forced into that situation. So kind of wanted to create a little magic kit to maybe give kids a chance to discover a, a hobby or a career they wouldn't have had the chance to dive into. Yep, and all the proceeds go to to uh, directrelief.org to help. Directrelief.org, yeah, exactly. Well, my friend, thank you so much for bringing through. Thank you so much for bringing people together, and thank you so much for giving back. I, I really enjoyed. My talking pleasure. To you. It was really good to chat. If uh, people want to get a hold of you, where can they reach out, Justin? Uh, my website, justinwilman.com. I'm on the Instagram at justinwilman. Twitter, justin underscore wilman, because there's another Justin Wilman who. Uh, tweeted four and a half years ago and is uh is a dick and won't reply to me so and the show is called magic for human on netflix season magic for three. humans yeah season three may 15th may 15th i really enjoyed uh spending time with you my friend best to you and the family thank you adam cool the adam for our podcast is brought to you by cruiseintowellness.com cruiseintowellness.com for all your cbd needs let's say you want to make your depression and anxiety disappear Take one of the gummies that I take from cruisingtowellness.com and things get better. I don't know how, but they do. They have edibles, tinctures, pain creams, bath products, pet products. It's all made from hemp right here in the USA. And I tell you what, 20% off. Yes, 20% off anything they have with the coupon code Adam at cruisingtowellness.com. Go, feel better. I'm Justin Wilman, and that was 30 minutes I'll never get back. I had so much fun talking to Justin. Phil, do you feel yeah. better? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm not the only one who killed a bird. Yeah, he killed his practicing. Right. I killed mine in front of an audience. There's a little bit of a difference, but in, at least we share that. Yeah, we're a bird murderer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. You, you were stupid enough to do it in front of witnesses. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was. Yeah, stunned witnesses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he felt bad about it. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I don't know why magicians always work with birds. Yeah. You know, I, I guess it's easier than snakes, but they always work with birds. <laughs> yeah. And that's the other thing <laughs> yeah. about all the shit in the green room. You know, we're, we're in the green room. We just It's a notebook and a pen. That's it. These guys, they're traveling with all kinds of wands and boxes and tables and bird. And there's bird shit all over the luggage, you know. <laughs> but think about yeah, that. Yeah. When it, when a trick goes wrong, because, you know, like, like Justin mentioned, when a joke goes wrong, you just move on to the next one. When a trick goes wrong, you're standing there with, like, horrified people and a dead bird. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah and I was I was too green at the time. I had no way to. He he talked about recovering. I right. didn't recover at all. I was devastated, and, they, just, and they knew it. I just picture Ken Scott shaking his head off stage, like why, <laughs> why did I pick him from the class? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to kill the birds. Yeah, goodness. <clears throat> all I wanted to do was disappear. You know, yeah, you mm. needed that blanket that when he throws over the oh, blanket. And yeah, he's, and he's like, uh, yeah. this person's invisible. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Do you have one, Alex? Because I'd like to throw it over Adam if I could. <laughs> Great. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Phil, I'd still be able to communicate with you. <laughs> yeah. He's texting from under the blanket. That's what he's doing. We'll, we'll call it a magical cloak, Adam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's my cloaking yeah. device. Oh, my God. That, yeah, okay. I don't, now I don't know where he is. That's what I want. Yeah. That's yeah, true. That's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Phil, I'm over here. <laughs> yeah he's Hilarious. invisible son of a bitch that's funny <laughs> uh well you know what i uh a, a really good friend of mine and a really good comic that i've worked with also worked with justin and uh he was kind enough to join us so i want to i want to bring him in to talk to you guys ladies and gentlemen boys and girls this is my pal colin chamberlain hello hello thank you for having me long time listener first time caller uh, <laughs> was very excited <laughs> That's to great. win the cereal box top Adam Ferreira <laughs> po podcast. Uh, uh, I have worked with uh, Justin before and it was, you know, I, when I had worked with him, I'd probably been in comedy for maybe two years 
And I remember I, at that time I'd worked with Adam. I'd worked with Tammy Pescatelli. I think I worked with Jimmy Schubert. Some pretty heavy hitters. And my mother said to me, I'm so glad you're finally working with somebody from TV. <laughs> because he was on Cupcake Wars. I was like, oh my Mom, gosh, Cupcake I mean... Wars. I love that show. <laughs> yeah. Halfway through the um, interview, I'm like, I know that voice. And I'm like, Cupcake Wars. It's the cupcakes. Yeah. That, that's it was great. crazy how excited she was. It was the first show she came to see. I was like, really? I was like, it's, I'm doing five minutes. I'm hosting <laughs> and you're here. Not for me. Let's be honest. Let's call it what it is. So you obviously uh, have not seen Cupcake Wars because that, was i mean once you watch one you do like a binge mm -hmm. and it's, it's i've never very seen fascinating. it yeah yeah well i've been in a cupcake war uh but that was just <laughs> a in like different. a hipster cupcake shop in brooklyn that mm -hmm. was different uh yeah but uh it was a lot of fun uh working with justin it's weird because like you know as comics when we're in the green room we we only use the green room to like lay on the couch watch the simpsons eat chicken tenders off of our chest mm -hmm. and that's it uh i've never seen someone actually work in the green room as much as justin worked like <laughs> i actually couldn't get into the green room because he had turned it into hogwarts like <laughs> he was like tinkering with with different devices and contraptions and i found that you're not supposed to say tricks it's illusions the word is illusions ah. uh, oh man I'm as, sorry as he put it uh, a hooker does tricks a magician does illusions so oh, um hold on hold on i gotta make a note hooker does tricks <laughs> yes magician does illusions Colin's mother does not watch any tv shows that i'm on okay yes Yes, she's. I will. I will be calling her immediately after this to tell her how upset you are, and she will lose sleep. She will lose sleep. So it was really interesting because I, I wasn't. I couldn't even, like I said, get into the green room. Like I would poke my head in and say, "Hey, you need anything? You know, what, what you want me to say anything about you?" And he was in there with like, like fishing rods and, and decks of cards everywhere, and he has an assistant running around. Dead birds. Yeah, right. Dead birds. I was like, what's with all the rabbits? You that know? would have been and, fascinating uh, to me. I mean, that's pretty cool. Do you get to see kind of behind the curtain? Well, you do get to see behind the curtain, but I wasn't really allowed to see behind the curtain. Like, it was peaked. very, he was very nice, but he did not want me lingering. Mm -hmm. uh, I just want to sit in there and eat a salad. I don't want to watch magic tricks. Well, it's fun because you, you pretty much hit the nail on the head because when I've been on the road with Adam, um, the green room experience is very different. Uh, it's you like with Justin, there was like all these contraptions and there's wands and there's doves flying around and there's little literally magic is being made. And with Adam, there's like one bowl of hummus. There's like a, there's a Texans game on that he's upset about. He's writing on note cards. It's a yep. whole different experience, you know. Perfect. Thanks so much. Uh, great time to rev the engine. So, uh, <laughs> we were uh, um, we were on the road in Philadelphia, and uh, we were sitting at the uh, the Continental at the, that diner I like to go to. So we're sitting there, and Colin's just looking at me, shaking his head at what I'm eating. Why? Well, I, if you want me to tell her, I'm happy to tell her sure. because we go out to this, it's a nice place. Like mm -hmm. it's an, you know, it's a cool place. And first of all, we're in wicker swinging chairs. Yeah, that's right. Cool. That's fun. Yeah. We are like, so you, it's, it's an adventure to get in and out. Um, which is fun of the wicker chair. Yeah. Like I, I show up and we're in this, just like, I'm obviously late and he's there and it he's was swinging on the chair. Dim, he's swinging. He's in a wicker chair swinging in this dimly lit restaurant. I'm like, mm -hmm. all right, well, this is not what I expected. Uh, <laughs> and then Adam ordered to drink a cup of black coffee and to eat a poke bowl, which he ate with chopsticks. And I was just like shaking my head. I was like, well, aren't you the modern man? Just like <laughs> pounding black coffee, eating a poke bowl with chopsticks. Like, I mean, just... Yeah, this is the 2020 guy. This is what <laughs> what men are in 2020, and Adam has really he's mastered it. Yeah, that's funny. Come on, we had a good time in Philly, didn't we, Colin? I took you on your first train ride, did I not? His <laughs> first train ride? First, first and last train ride. You <laughs> took me <laughs> on my first and last train ride. Here's how it goes down. I've never been on the train before. Actually, I was on the train once before in my life, but it was like not a real train. You know, it was more of like a like a like a long subway ride. And uh, 
So this is the first time I've ever been inside like a train station. I'm a little nervous, you okay, know, Adam's yeah. like when they call. Let me set the scene. We're in Philadelphia. We're taking a train to Grand Central in New York, right? Mm-hmm. This is the first time uh, uh, Colin said that he's going to be on a train. So I bought him lunch. It was it was Colin's day out. And he was calling his mother saying, I'm going to be on the train. And his mother was like, I'll be fine. Your mother was very nervous that you were going to be on the train, which in turn made you very nervous. And I said, look, there's a lot of people just stay with me. And you assured your mother that you would be fine because you were with me. That is all very correct. Um, I was the first time I was on a train. Yes, I've been on the subway before, but I'd never been on a big train. Mm -hmm. And... You know, my mother's worried. She's like, "Is ISIS on the train?" I said, "Mom, I don't, I, I, I don't have the capability to, to know. You know, uh, if they are, I'll find out at the destination, at the scene of the crime." So I, I'm nervous. Adam goes, "Stick with me," because there's a lot of people, and I don't know the system. They call us. They go track 34, and then everybody runs to track 34. So it goes, "Stay with me." So. We're waiting there. I'm. I can just feel like pins and needles. I, it's really the first time I've ever felt alive, honestly. And <laughs> and I'm I'm breathing heavy. And he's like, "All right." Then he goes, and first he goes now, and I just take off. And it wasn't now. He he was maybe testing my reflexes. So now I have to run back to him to look at the big screen. And then to cap it all off, we find our train. We get on the track. He goes, "Will you get down there?" Just stick with me. We got to get in. We got to get a seat. We got to figure out which way the train's going. If we're if we're going, sitting the wrong way, I'm going to get sick. I was like, I don't want to make them sick. My mother's worried. There's a suitcase bomb on here, you know. <laughs> uh, we get down there, and after telling me to stick with him this whole time, he goes, break left, break left. So what do I do? I break left, and I turn around, and he has gone right. So now I'm just seeing him run away from me, and all these people are in between us, and I'm like, Adam, Adam, and I'm taking my little roller suitcase that's three wheels at work. I'm running after him. I'm like, you told me to break left. He was like, ha I was like, what? Like, it was this big joke to him. And then you know what he did? Yeah. He took a nap. So now I have to sit there on the train by myself, sweating for an hour and a half into New York City while he listens to, you know, a talk on meditation and, and, you know, sleeps for an hour. Like it was, it was insane. It was yep. insane. Well, let me ask you this now, Colin. You have no fear of taking a train anymore, do you? I have no fears ever. Uh, after that, honest to God, that has changed my fear of of flying, being on a train, being in a big city. That was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Talking to women, um, <laughs> I have become so much better at all the all of my social anxieties have gone. Because it will never be as worse as being on that in that train platform with Adam. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So basically, when he fucks with you, you overcome anxiety. How how can I get there? I just I want to <laughs> learn from your wisdom. I want to learn from your wisdom because all he does is add to my anxiety. Well, for me, how I've learned to deal with it is is that I've tried to just buddy up to other headliners because <laughs> I have realized if I'm going to make a living opening for Adam, it will take years off of my life. So I try to start calling other people, headlining clubs and be like, do you need somebody? And you take trains. Just let me know. <laughs> well, look, you, you're open for me because you're, you're a, you're, you're a good comic. You're a little nervous, but you're a very good comic. Thank I you. miss you, my friend. Hopefully uh, when the world opens up, we'll go back out on the road again and, uh, and, and I'll toughen you up for more of life's little challenges like transportation. Yeah, you, you got to take him somewhere else, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, please, take me yeah. somewhere. Please, <laughs> the new hashtag for the podcast is take Colin somewhere. Okay. Uh, <laughs> How about so this, Colin? Sure How about this, Colin? Would you, would you like an older magician to take you on the road? If you know one, give him uh, my number. All right. Uh, I'm going to give you a number of, of a man named Ken number. Scott. I want you to oh, call man. Ken and see if you <laughs> yeah, fit in I, Phil's old costume. I think I think I've probably opened for that guy at a golf course, like in West Virginia. <laughs> I'm almost certain. Yeah. All right, my friend, be safe. Tell your mother I said hello, and hopefully uh, we'll laugh soon, okay? Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I miss you, buddy, uh, and uh, and the podcast is amazing. So congratulations. <laughs> Thank you, pal. Thanks, oh, Colin. And, uh, Thanks, Colin. And Colin's podcast is called Hell Gig. I've done it. It's a lot of fun. I encourage you to You were his Hell Gig. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. All right, baby. Be well. I'll talk to you soon. That was cool. Yeah, that was great. He's a good guy. He's a, he's a good comic, too.
and Justin's a lot of fun as well. I'm so glad he made time for us. Uh, the show is on Netflix. It's called Magic for Humans. Uh, if you want to check out Justin uh, on his socials, it's Justin underscore Willem. He made a point of yeah. saying underscore. Yeah, sometimes people take your name. Yeah. I totally related to that when he called the guy a dick who has his name. Why? I have because I had that because for a long time I wanted filtag.com. Right. And I couldn't get it because in Australia, who's a dentist that has filtag.com. Why it's do you need filtag.com? De- Why would it be filtag dental or something like that? Like I couldn't get that name for years. It's the man. Well, it's the man's name. What are you yelling at him for? Exactly. He's a dentist. He's a dentist. You don't filtag. You want to put filtag dental or something like that. You need oh, filtag. Well, it's just it's him. Dentist is what he does, not who he is. Exactly. Nah, no good. No good. Uh, you know, you should just send him another message. It doesn't matter. I snagged him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, Adam, by, by all means, send me 57 more texts if you could. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, my God. I want to thank Justin for being here, honey. If they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrara at Gmail. And if you have a chance to leave us a review, we would really appreciate it because it helps us with our friend. Mr. Algorithm. All right. Uh, reach out and get to us. We'd love hearing from you. Please remember, life is hard. Take it easy on yourself. The pod has ended. Don't pick I, I, I'm powerless over my best friend, and my life has become unmanageable. That's, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh. Hi. My name is Phil and I'm an idiot.